Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So I ask you every week, are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> when I ask you on Christmas Eve at the candlelight service, will you be ready then? <laughs> You experience just bunches of peace. So we're in a series on peace, and um, and we're we're walking through stages. Now I've been promising you every week, or, or I've been challenging you to believe, I should say, that um, this is a practical thing. Do you believe that this is? It's he means for it to be practical. He doesn't mean for his peace that he holds out to you to be, um, to be like a, a spiritual platitude or something that's beyond your reach. Y'all remember that from last week? The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? It's within your reach. His presence is right there. Peace is in his presence. Um, I didn't know on, I guess it would be December 2nd when I first use this scripture. I didn't know that we were going to look at it every week, but uh, now I know that the focus here is, um, is as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem in the last week of his life, he weeps over Jerusalem. And he weeps because they don't know what makes for their peace. And the Lord's just so impressed on my heart that he wants us to know. He wants us to actually understand what makes for his peace so that we are a people that are marked by him. So that we're, we're a people that actually walk in his peace. That's an alien thing to this world. The world offers peace too. Do you know that? At a, a version of it, a fleeting version um, but that is not the peace that he holds out. He holds out a peace, and we're going to talk about this this morning. In fact, I've been getting questions about this. I've been kind of disturbing people um, in past weeks in terms of like people are asking, what, what does all of this mean? What if we're certain that we're walking in the words of God or we're moving in his direction and yet... Um, and yet I'm lacking peace. And I'm going, oh, no, no, then we're not, that's not God's peace. <laughs> that's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about. And we're going to get a fine point on that peace. Do you understand? His peace is outside of circumstance. It has nothing to do with how well a certain a particular moment is going for you. Or if you're facing opposition in the words of God over you. Do you understand? It's not about that. Okay. Okay, I want you to start with me. Now, I tell you this all the time, too. Um, you cannot interpret anything rightly from this book unless you start rooted and grounded in his love, right? You will misinterpret what is in here if there is something beyond, if it's not from the foundation of the fact that he delights in you, that he's nuts about you. Amen? Okay, so here's why we're going to do this. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Here it says, so I want you to just listen to these words. I'm going to stop and have you repeat things with me, okay? Because we're just going to get grounded in his love. In him, we were also chosen. Say, I'm chosen having been predestined according to the plan, say, I'm predestined according to his plan. 
okay? According to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You see that he works it out, what? In conformity with his will. Amen, that's right. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ. Say, I'm included in Christ. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked. Say, I'm marked. In him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. What are you marked with? You're marked with promise. You're marked with the promise, the seal of the Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Go ahead and say, I'm God's possession. To the praise of his glory. Go ahead and say, I'm to the praise of his glory. Okay, that's purpose. <laughs> okay, now look, we did that because if you're, I'm just going to put it out there. If you're not grounded in those things, you can probably stop listening now. Because it's that grounding of love. It's knowing that you are his delight. That he's absolutely nuts about you and that you are, you are chosen, you're marked in promise, that you're included in him, that he has mighty purposes. Now, why does he give you mighty purposes? Because he's nuts about you, because, he's, because he loves you. It's not because he needs anything from you. He gives you mighty purposes because he's your designer. He made you for himself, and he knows that if you're going to have peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, it's going to be in your purposes. Okay? So we've been walking through peace. Okay? In the first, the first week of this month, we, we really just grounded ourselves in the fact that your peace is, is what you have your faith in. And then last week, your peace is the presence of God. Right? There's no such thing as God's peace outside of his presence. His presence is peace. This week we're going to find that peace is in purpose. Does that sound good? Raise your hand if you have mighty purposes in God. Okay, almost everyone. We do have a couple here today that don't have purposes, but um, maybe we'll change that before the day is over. Remember, I've got to put this out there. Peace, um, the way God speaks of peace, shalom. Okay, just in case somebody's new this morning with us, the peace of God is completeness. Okay, it's, it's completeness, it's well-being, it's health, it's prosperity. In other words, it's, it's all of the blessing of God, all of the completeness that is in his presence being upon you. That's peace, okay, God's peace, not the world's. So that's what we're talking about, God's shalom, okay, and um, last thing before we really dig, go to Luke chapter 2 and uh, verse 13. I did give it to you. Okay, so this is the angels announcing to the shepherds that, that Jesus has been born, okay? And it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God on, in the highest and on earth peace Goodwill toward men. Now, I did this once before. I'm just going to tell you again. The, the definition of this word goodwill, it's, it's like loaded with things. It's loaded with things like satisfaction, delight. 
Do you know that he, he does intend for you to have satisfaction, to be filled with delight in your life? It also has in it purpose. Isn't that a strange thing? Goodwill toward men is you being in touch with purpose. You know that God wrote, we're going to look at this before we're done if we go at all according to plan, but do you know that he, he wrote deep within you purpose? And if you're going to have peace, that's where it's at. Why can I say that? He's your designer. Okay, you're not random. You're not, you're not genetic randomness, okay, no matter how much this world wants you to believe that. You were planned by God. The Word of God says you were knit in your mother's womb, that he knew your days before you had the first one. You, in your heart, and we're going to look at scriptures that tell you this, are written purpose, okay? And in, you understand, it doesn't even make sense that, that, something, that a creature designed for purpose would have peace if you're not in yours. Peace is in your purpose in God. The completeness, the well-being of God is in your purpose. Okay. So um, if you want to start turning, go to Judges chapter 6, okay? Last week, we looked at various people who didn't have peace, and we saw what God did about it. We're going to do that again, okay? You remember we looked at Moses didn't have peace, and what did he do? He basically lets God have it and says, who are you going to send with us, and what's your plan? And, and God says, I'm going to go. My presence is your peace, my presence is your ability. And then we looked at the two guys on the road to Emmaus, right? And uh, they didn't have peace. And what does he do? Even without being asked, Jesus shows up and walks with them and teaches them about his presence, a presence that they're not even aware of during the entire walk. This time we're going to look at um, Gideon. Okay, I have a feeling most of you know this story. Um, it's a famous story. Another case where he doesn't have peace, and we're going to see what uh, God does. Is it okay? We're going to call him Gid this morning. I think it helps to give him nicknames because you're going to see, even in this story, what we do is we kind of hold him up there in like a mystical land, like it was so different back then. And I think if we call him Gid, then we'll relate with him more, and we'll realize that this is really just like God is with you today, right? Do you think he changed from his interactions with people back there? See, what we're about to read with, with our buddy Gid is that um, he's going he's gonna to have an encounter with Jesus. Do you know that that's the only place you're changed? That's the, it's, it's not by doing things right, by religious prescriptions, or you study your Bible enough, or you make sure you have your five-minute quiet time with him in the morning. Um, it might happen in those things. Those things certainly position you to have encounter with Jesus, but j real encounter with Jesus is where his transforming peace, presence of peace is, right? So that's what we're going to read about. So here's our buddy Gid, starting in verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. Okay, now I want to show you a couple of things, okay? First of all, you have to recognize that angel and Lord are capitalized there. Scholars did that on purpose, the angel of the Lord. So who is that? That's Jesus, okay? That's Jesus. 
And it, and it says that he came and sat under the terebinth tree. This tree happens to be on Joash's land. So we're talking about real people here, a real guy who really owns a piece of land, and Jesus decides he wants to sit under his tree. And I'm going to tell you about the terebinth tree. We, two weeks ago, we talked about um, King Ahaz, right? And, um, and he was a king who did not do right in the sight of the Lord. And, and it talks about how he, he went astray to where they were worshiping. They were worshiping idols under every green tree. It's really interesting. If you go do a whole bunch of research, I got sucked in for hours on this this week. You find out that this, this phrase, under every green tree, keeps appearing in Scripture. And it's talking about the terebinth tree. I'm looking forward, just personally, I'm looking forward to sitting with Jesus under a terebinth tree because I learned something about him that I didn't know. He has a special affinity for terebinth trees. He does. He likes them. I don't know why. He likes me, and he likes terebinth trees. And so I want to sit under a tree with him. They actually worshipped this way, and he, and, and he did many powerful things throughout the story with, with the fathers under or are at terebinth trees. So just so you know, Jesus likes those trees, except for when we're worshiping idols under them. Um, then he's then not so much. Um, so then it goes on and says, while his son Gideon uh, threshed wheat in a wine press, there's our buddy Gid, okay, in order to hide it from the Midianites. So I ask you, does, does he have peace? Now look, I want you to, I'm going to make every effort for you to engage this story, okay? These are not like, ooh, mystical Old Testament things. This is exactly how God is with you, this story we're going to go through. And I'll tell you, why is he threshing wheat in the wine press? He's hiding. He's hiding, okay? You know that symbolically wheat the, is the, the strongest symbol of the production of fruit, of their fruitfulness as a people, is, is in the wheat harvest, okay? And he's in the wine press. Now, I want to relate this to your life. Does anybody in here, have you had seasons of your life, or you're in one right now, where you know that God has given you passions, gifts, abilities, skills, things you love to do, but you are obviously doing it in the wrong place? Like your job does not fit what is so deeply wired in you, as an example. No peace, okay? And that's what's going on here. Gideon is cowering because the Midianites are going to attack. His circumstances, the circumstances of the world, are certainly not offering peace. And so here's what happens. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Do you notice that's present tense? The Lord is with you. I hope for those of you that were here last week, you're seeing the pattern. Okay, is God's presence absent? Is it a presence problem? No, God's presence is with him. Is, is he aware of God's presence with him? No, the Lord has to show up and specifically um, shake him and say, the Lord is with you. And then what? And then he says something true about his identity. You know, the peace is in, is in two identities, who God is and who you are. 
Do you know that God loves you so much? He is so crazy nuts about you that he's not willing to let you have peace, to let you have perfect shalom if you're not in your identity? He loves you too much. <laughs> he's not going to let you be, all, be missing out on his design in you, his beautiful design in you. He, he won't stand for it. You see, do you know lack of peace is a lack, is, is being where you're not supposed to be or being, or not tapping into that center of identity that he gave you. Do you know that? So he speaks something true. How is that released? Do you know God's, God is speaking words over you? He is speaking true words over you. He knows that the world has lied to you. He knows that the world has beaten, battered, and wounded you and made you believe all kinds of things that are not true about you. He does know this. And he's speaking words of truth over you. Okay. So it goes on, verse 13 goes on and says, Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? What's he doing? There's a voice. You know, there's a voice in your circumstances. The assault against your peace, the assault against you, circumstances and everything that goes on screams at you. So, so God speaks these words. He says, he calls him, you mighty man of valor. He names him. And Gideon comes and says, um, then why is it like this? If your presence is with us. I'm hiding in the wine press and I'm a mighty man. Why is it like this? Now listen what he says next. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? That's what he has to say. Can anybody relate with that? Have you ever been reading in the book of Acts? Okay, you're totally aware that Jesus says, um, in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, you will do greater things than I did. That's what he said. I'm just, I'm just telling you what he said. And then you're reading like in the book of Acts or something and you're thinking, well, where is that? I don't see that going on. Or in the letters of Paul to the churches and you're thinking, where are these mighty miracles? That's not what I see happening. That's what Gideon's doing, okay? He's just saying, where's this mighty strength that we read about or we hear from our fathers? There's not peace in that. He doesn't have peace. Then the Lord turned and said to him, <laughs> you have to love the Lord. I mean, you have to love the Lord, right? But I mean... <laughs> You have to love this. So many times um, someone's speaking to the Lord or asking questions or something and it's like the Lord just, just passes right on. Do you know when, when you're talking to God, when you're talking to Jesus, he, you're talking to a real person. In other words, he has thoughts of his own. Um, not that he, he's very good at tracking with you, trust me. I mean, he's, he can track with you and go and he meets you where you're at. But he is also a fiercely independent person. He has thoughts of his own. And so here's Gideon going, where are all your miracles? And if that's the case, if you're with us in presence and, and this, this piece of your presence and power is available, where's all of that? And then Jesus just goes right on. He's on his own track, okay? He thinks his own thoughts. And, and so the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. 
<laughs> it's like he didn't hear a word Gideon said like, you can keep focusing on all the things that are not true of you and all the circumstances that are contrary to the words of life and power that I'm speaking over you, but that's not how I'm going to think. Go ahead and do that, aren't you precious, Gid? Right, but the, he just goes right on and says, "Go in this might of yours." That's what he. That's the response he has. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? You see, what makes something true? Your circumstances, the gospel, your abilities. No, that he speaks it over you. That's all. That's what makes it true. You mighty man of valor. <laughs> That's it. Have I, in other words, what's he saying? Have I not spoken it? Is this not what I'm saying over you? Then forget about the circumstances. Now I'm going to show you something. Just, I, I have to make sure you keep relating. So keep walking with me. Our buddy Gid is just like you, and God has not changed. Okay, so verse um, 15 Gid is still focused on circumstance. Watch this. So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. In other words, he's the least of the least of the least. He's the smallest in the smallest clan of the weakest tribe. All kinds of circumstances scream fake, false things about his identity. What makes something true about Gid's identity? What God says, that's it. And the Lord said to him, um, surely I will be with you. Hopefully that just strikes a resonance with our conversation about Moses last week. What else do you need? The presence of God is your peace. The truth, being preoccupied with your circumstances, what you lack, what's against you, will only give you anxiety. Completeness, peace in God is being preoccupied with who he is, what he says over you. He speaks words of life, truth over you. What he says, being preoccupied with him, is peace and ability and strength, is shalom is the completeness of God. Now, here's, that was all introduction, okay? Here's why we're doing this. In verse 17, um, in verse 17, um, Gideon is speaking and says, if now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Now, look, I want you to relate with this guy. I want you to know nothing's changed. It's very easy to read biblical stories like we just did and create this pedestal of mysticism like Gid is having a conversation with God that's not available to you. Like, well, that happened back in those days, that kind of thing. And I just want you to see... Gid is exactly like you. He has this whole conversation. He senses, he knows what God's saying, but, but he has to stop and go, what does he need a sign for? He's demanding a sign because he needs confirmation that, God, this is you that are speaking these things to me. Do you see that? Now, if you're turning in your Bibles, keep your finger there in Judges, but turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Two weeks ago, we talked about King Ahaz. And do you remember what the conversation about a sign was between him and God? Verse 
chapter 7, verse 10, the conversation about a sign with them is, is, and this is in the context of the Emmanuel prophecy, the Christmas prophecy. Okay, it says, verse 10, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. What's God doing? He's saying, I want to prove myself to you. I want to. Even in the darkness, even in the evil that this king is in, God pursues him. And he wants to prove himself. He's saying, ask me a sign because because I love you so much that I want to prove myself to you. And in verse 12, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. See, his heart, we talked about this, his heart has already decided, has already put its faith in a peace, in a completeness that is offered by the world, not God's completeness, not God's peace. His faith has already been put in something else. So he has a heart that when God comes and says, ask me a sign, I want to prove myself. His heart says, no, I will not ask a sign. I don't, I don't need a sign from you. Contrast that to our buddy Gid. He says, he just had this whole conversation. And he says, if I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. In other words, what? He's not willing to pretend. You want peace? Yes. <laughs> she does. <laughs> then you're not willing to pretend. Okay? You're going to have a relationship with God where he speaks words to you and then you're going to go prove it. <laughs> Make it known to me that it is you who speak so that I can walk in an assurance, so that I can quit cowering in the wine press and become a mighty man or woman of valor, that I can go out and accomplish my purposes, the things you wrote in my heart where peace is. Do you know, you will never be in peace, not the complete peaceness, the, the complete shalom of God. You will never be there outside of the purposes that are deeply written on your heart. And you're not going to have assurance in that. Do you know that that resides in the words of God? It's the words that he speaks over you. And you're going to need assurance. You're going to have to have a real relationship. Now, look, I know that you do. I'm just telling you, you know where peace is? Argue with God. (laughs) When he speaks something to, to you, say, give me a sign. You know, I have faith, but grant faith where I don't have it yet. Prove it to me. It's a real relationship where your peace will be. Okay, go to verse 18. I'm going to show you one more thing here before we... He has a big gift coming. Go to verse 18. Um, Do not depart from here. So this is Gideon going on. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. Now, Look, you have to understand, in their culture, if you're going to have an exchange with God, um, there's a free will offering involved in it, okay? So I'm just going to ask you, before we even read on, does God need an offering from Gideon in order to move forward in these words of life over him? 
He doesn't need it. Who needs to give the offering? Gideon. Gideon needs to give the offering, right? But look, there's a huge insight here. So, so he says, stay here. I'm going to go get an offering. And, and the Lord says, I will wait until you come back. Can you imagine? I mean, just, just imagine this. And um, Hold on a second here. I'm going to run, get an offering, and, and the Lord, <laughs> Jesus, the, the creator of the universe goes, okay, I'll wait right here. Go get it. Go get your offering. Isn't he cute? <laughs> He's going to go get an offering. That's what's going on. And so in verse 19, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Now I'm going to show you something here. <laughs> it doesn't look like much. It looks like just kind of like an exchange of, okay, he goes, gets his offering, he brings it back, gets, the Lord tells him what to do with it. But I'm going to show you something here. The, the meat and the unleavened bread are established or acceptable offerings in their culture. The broth was a mingling thing that came kind of from the world. Not that Gideon's heart means for idolatry or anything like that. But notice what the Lord does. He says, put the, put the meat in the bread. And um, aren't you cute, Gideon? We've got a rock right here. We'll use that as an altar. Put it, bring your offering. Put, put that on here. And that'll be acceptable in my sight. And do me a favor, pour out the broth over there. Okay, but I want to show you something. There's a, real, there's a real blessing here. In other words, he gets about two-thirds of his offering right. It's better than I usually do. Two-thirds is pretty good. <laughs> but it's all in a right heart. Now, I want, you, I want to give you a freedom here, okay? We're going to find out in a minute that it's in the offering that his presence is revealed and that the words are empowered to become true in his life. It's in the offering. But before we even get there, there's no way I'm going to allow like you to be guilted or something crazy like that. He doesn't get it all right. One third of what he brings, the Lord's like, fantastic, good job, Gid. Bring, your, bring it over to the rock. Put your offering over here. Okay, and pour the broth out over there. And now, perfect. <laughs> he's not worried about it. He's, he's worried about Gideon's heart. He's the one who showed up when Gideon was, was a coward in the wine press. He's the one who pursues and says, Gideon, I wrote a destiny in your heart where your peace is. I'm going to release that for you. He's the one. He's not looking for you to get it all right. Okay, go to verse 21. It says, then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Okay, so it, it is important to recognize that it is, look, it is in the offering that God provides the confirmation, the sign, the assurance in real relationship, okay? Real relationship demands God, 
I need you to be real to me. I demand it. You're going to put callings on my life. You're, you're, going to, you're going to ask me to share in your purposes. You wrote those in my heart. I demand you to prove it to me. I demand you to be real. I'm not going to walk forward in purposes that, that you do not make real to me. And then it's in the offering. Um, you know the scripture, uh, Romans uh, 12 Right at the beginning, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you get that assurance? How do you get peace? in your identity. It's in offering. That's how you prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Has God spoken a word over your life? I hope everybody says yes because I want to tell you something. The, the true answer is yes. Now, you may not be aware of those words. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, you may lack awareness of those words. I'm just going to tell you he is speaking words. Are you aware of some words that he's spoken? It's in the offering. Step. Demand that he make himself real. Demand that he give a sign. Open a door. Reveal yourself to me. I have to know that it is your voice, and you know God delights in it. You will never read a story where anyone in this book is demanding the very real presence and relationship of God, and they're turned down. He delights in it. And then he says, and then he accepts our offering. It's in the offering that he truly grants the sign. Lord, make us an offering. Because in that is his peace. In that is the shalom, the strength of his hand that joins us in actually becoming the identity that's deeply written in your heart. In the offering. Okay. Go to, um, so back to our story. Go to verse 22. There's just too many gifts here to stop just yet. And then we're going to go somewhere wonderful. Here in verse 22, Gideon's um, uh, speaking again. It says, now Gideon perceived that, that he was the angel of the Lord. Do you see that? It's just like our guys on the road to Emmaus. God's presence was, was there with him. He's been talking to him all along, but he needed the reality of that. You know, you need the reality of that. God is present with you. You do not exist except by the mind of God. But the awareness of that reality is another matter. The peace that comes with an awareness of his presence is another matter. And it's in this sign he offers and then he perceives the presence of Jesus. And so Gideon says, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Isn't that strange? You know why he says that? You see, they knew that you could not see the face of God and live. But in this genuineness, in this encounter, he sees the face of the Lord. And when he realizes that that's what's going on, he's thinking, I'm dead. <laughs> You're not supposed to be able to do this. 
Have you ever had a moment with God where you're like, this is so amazing, this should be illegal? Like, a, like you just, you can't imagine, like if, and it's like pearls, you know? You can't even go in and like share it with your brothers and sisters in Christ because you're like, whew, if I shared that one, they'd know I was a nutty. <laughs> it's treasures. It's relational treasures. He just got one of those and God says, um, don't fear, you're not gonna die because you've seen me, okay? And then verse 24, now, now really pay attention here. There's an insight. I know this is a blessing. It says, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. Now we're going to tear this apart pretty good. So um, the Lord here is Adonai, okay? Adonai is a word that's obviously it's translated Lord. But I'm going to tell you something about this word. They only use the word Adonai when it's, when it's your Lord, Okay, so in other words, there could be a lord or the ruler of the, the Midianites, but that wouldn't be his lord. Now, I'll show you, in this encounter, there's a transition that happens. He goes from only speaking Jehovah, which is the national name for God, the I am, the, self, you know, the self-existent one, and all the things that they associate with God. And here he uses Lord Adonai. He says, so Gideon built an altar there to Adonai. To, he's, he's taken ownership and participation into a, a relationship, a relationship where he says, I'm in submission to you. You're not just a Lord, you're mine, and I'm yours. Okay, and now, now watch how strange. It says, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, Adonai, and called it, the Lord is peace. This is Jehovah Shalom. Okay, so they're back to the national name for God. The God of, of, their, of, the, of that people is Shalom, is peace. Now notice how strange, and there's an insight here. Essentially, God's presence shows up to Gideon, calls him a mighty man of valor and says, go to war, you're going to win, I'm going to give it to you. God doesn't give him an instantaneous worldly peace, okay? He, does, he doesn't make everything peaceful and take care of everything. He, he releases the truth of his identity and sends him to war. <laughs> so why does Gideon want to name the place God is peace? Because peace is in your purpose. God designed you. He wrote deeply in your heart purpose. And that's where your peace is. In fact, I said it already. He will not grant you peace outside of the reality of who he is and who you are. You know there's a million good things you can do? There's, there's an endless array of things that are good that have nothing to do with the completeness, with the shalom, with purpose that is yours, that he designed where your peace is. In fact, um, okay, I have to do this. Did I give you Jeremiah 29? Paula? That's okay, I'll read it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> 
just feel led to do this because this is a famous scripture and I think, you know, that I think it's um, perhaps one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in the Bible. We just don't look at it right. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you already know what I'm talking to? Yep, yep. That's, um, Christian bookstore loves to paint it pretty on a piece of wood <laughs> so you can <laughs> put it on your wall. It's that kind of famous. And it says for, um, I wish I'd done the NIV. That's okay. It's, it's close enough. It's, so in the New King James here, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Usually it says, I know the plans I have for you, right? That's how you usually see it. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now listen, I want to tell you what we do with this, Okay. Um, and usually it's translated plans. And so, unfortunately, that's how we think of it, that like he's made plans for you. Now, let me tell you what that does. That makes it so that, how many of you mess up sometimes? Yeah, so, and w- <laughs> y'all had too much fun with that. Um, so here's what we do. Um, we think of it as a plan. And what's the problem with that? When you mess that up, it's, it's irredeemably messed up. You can never go back and, and like redeem the plan. A, a messed up plan is a messed up plan. You got to move on to plan B or something. And if you're like me, you're somewhere around plan Y, <laughs> right? Well, that's not what it says. And actually, this translation is pretty good. It's for I know the thoughts that I think. Now, I want to tell you about that word. That, that word is um, makashabah. Okay, and, it, and what it really means is the purpose or sense of purpose. I know the purpose that I've designed in you. Do you know that no matter how many times you mess up, you can't change purpose? <laughs> That's good news. In other words, God is totally aware that you're going to like mess it up 300 times and he's going to go, well, you're still the exact same son or daughter that I made. You're still exactly like I designed you. Nothing's been lost. The exact same purpose is deeply wired within you, so we're good. (laughs) And I can redeem everything. He's got a million ways for the truth of your identity, for words of truth and life that he's already spoken over you. He's got a million ways to bring the truth of you in him to fruition. You can't blow it enough to get outside of God's ability to redeem the purpose that's written within you. Amen? Thank God, because (laughs) I'm testimony that that's really good news. My life has like decades of, (laughs) decades of being outside of the deep things wired. And he has no lack of ability to bring you back to purpose where your peace is. Okay, in fact, all right, I'm blowing it apart now. I feel like we should do this too. Um, Somewhere here. Go to Proverbs 20. And verse 5. Did I give you that one? Yes. Yes. These are all out of order. We don't have a chance now. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a purpose in this, guys, so we're good. <laughs> it's on Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5. This is good stuff. I, I usually try to avoid like grabbing a proverb, but I mean, this is just so good. It's, it's insane. It says, the purpose of a man's, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. <laughs> Do you hear that? Do I need to say anything else? The purposes, God put purposes in your heart, but he tells you straight up that they're deep waters. What does that mean? It means they're not floating right there on the surface. It's not, um, it's not a handout, okay? It's, uh, it, it's deep waters. He, um, other places it says that it is, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search the matter out and make it so in this physical world. Here, your purposes are deep waters, okay? God is inviting you to discover the depths of purpose that, that he's put deeply, deeply. You know there's no bottom to your well? To the depth of your waters, there is no bottom. Do you know why I can say that? He made you eternal. It was his idea that you're eternal. You will never, for all of eternity, you will never stop going deeper into knowing him and knowing yourself in him. That's his big idea. And purposes are deep waters. He's inviting you to seek them out. Because what? It says, but a man of understanding draws them out. In other words, what? You know, to be a person of understanding, that means it requires two things. First, that you recognize that he did amazingly design you with deep things that, that, were, that are there to bring you joy. There that are the center of your peace, who you are. Being, being preoccupied with who he is and who you are in him is the center of your peace. And so a man of understanding, one, has to know that that's true. Do you want peace? And you need to know what's in here. You need to know what God's big idea in you is. There's peace. First of all, you've got to know that's true. And second of all, you've got to be a person like Gideon or Moses or someone who's going to dig, who's going to say, God, what are your words in me? And, and I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied, not only just till I know what they are, but... but I'm only going to be satisfied when you make your presence, when you make yourself real to me in relationship where I have the kind of assurance. Shalom, God's peace, is assurance in who you are because of who he is. That's peace. You know when you have that, there is no circumstance that can shake you. Period. There can be all kinds of war and attack and everything can be against you but when you have assurance of purpose, in other words, who I am because I was God's idea, in him, I have shalom. You can't shake that. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters but a man of understanding draws them out. I think that that's good stuff.
and I have no idea where I'm supposed to be at anymore now. <laughs> okay, um, I'll tell you what, go to Romans 8.28. Here it says, and we, know, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work to good for who? To those who love God and are called to his purposes. You see, purpose is where peace is. Do, do you know, you might as well just recognize it doesn't say that everything God does is to make everything work out for good for everyone. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It's those that are centered in who they are, in God's purposes. Um, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, listen to this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm going to keep reading, so stay there. But I'm, I'm just going to point something out here. And look, if you're a theologian and you disagree with me, that's cool. I'm good with it. Um, but I just want to tell you that the word salvation is probably the New Testament word that most closely pairs with shalom, the Old Testament word peace, okay? Salvation is, I know most of the time we think of salvation as um, I don't have to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Who enjoyed that so much? I have to know. <laughs> okay, and that's true. That is one major benefit. And yeah, yes, that is a benefit. Praise God. But um, salvation is a comprehensive word like shalom. It's, it's, being brought, it's being brought into everything that is in him. <laughs> everything that Jesus is so that when you're brought into Jesus, that inheritance is all yours. That's salvation. That's, that's, that's what salvation truly means, which probably most closely pairs with shalom, the completeness of God, the peace. Okay, so that's what we're reading here. And, it's, um, and what does it say? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Isn't that weird? I'm always telling you, it has nothing to do with your work. It has, it's not something you can earn. So what's he talking about here? I think he's talking about um, things like the Proverbs verse that we read. How do you work out salvation, completeness? Work out, get, go get everything that's in him that is part of your inheritance. There's an active part in that. Go get it. Seek in the deep waters the purposes of God that you were designed for. You want peace? It's in your heart. <laughs> he, he loves you. He's nuts about you. You're not, you're not a, a, an experiment of randomness. <laughs> okay? You're an eternal creature that was his idea. And the, the center, the fullness of your peace is in the words that he wrote in you. It's already recorded in the books, in the courts of heaven. The word of God tells us clearly. And it goes on, 
What? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You're, you're for his pleasure. You know that, that, um, that could, you see, if you interpret that outside of love, this is what I talk about, you'll get it wrong and that's actually bad news. That if you interpret it from his love, if you realize that you are made for his pleasure, you are, you are for him. In other words, he delights in you so much that he's like, you, you are for me. That's good news. That's good news. Okay, let me just return and make sure. This is one of those, I didn't do this anything like I thought I was going to do it. <laughs> okay, we should do this. I think I gave you this. Um, Luke chapter 12. And how about we start in 29. Verse 29, I give you that too. And maybe, maybe we'll just close with this. Okay, in verse 29 it says, And do not seek what you should eat or drink. You remember last week we read a scripture that specifically said the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But what? Thanks. I don't think I was going to get it on my own. <laughs> Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, so here it says, um, kind of an uncanny parallel, do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind, right? The opposite of shalom is an anxious mind, <laughs> is fear. And we learned last week that, that when you put your faith in anything besides God, when you put your faith in the things of the world that offer a strength or a peace, what do you get? An anxious mind. <laughs> and here's a command don't, don't have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need these things he says but what but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you now look I know you've heard that before I know that this is not new for you I just want to challenge you this morning that um, where, where do you seek the kingdom of God in his presence yes and where's that in us the kingdom of God is within you Jesus said that you're not going to look over here and go look here it is or look over here here it is the kingdom of God is within you and so when it says seek the kingdom of God it's talking about those deep things himself meeting you in the deep places that he wrote in you the place of purpose is peace and then so what and then what everything else will be added to you of course, you know I love this next one. Verse 32, do not fear, little flock. It's kind of like, yeah, bring your offering, Gid. Come on, it's sweet. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his treasure. You want peace? Here's the, here's the real challenge, okay? The challenge is recognizing that 
Well, first of all, that God's nuts about you. (laughs) But then you have to realize that he has written purpose within you, which is the center of the kingdom of God for you, his very presence within you. What, What he shared of himself and wrote within you is purpose. And in purpose is your peace. That's why he can say, seek the kingdom and everything else will be added. It's purpose. I challenge you for Christmas, for the new year, (laughs) for the rest of your life. Just recognize that when you have lack of peace, when you have anxious mind, when you have deep lack of peace, it's lack of touch with who he made you to be with who he designed you to be. When you experience a lack of peace, you are experiencing a disconnect from what he designed you for. If you'll be like Gideon, like Moses, like the various people we've talked over the last few weeks, if you'll have a real relationship with God, you want peace? Fight with God. (laughs) He's waiting on the edge of his seat for you to be that real with him. Come to me and fight with me. You lack peace. The, guy, the guy's on the road to Emmaus. He said, he showed up. <laughs> they were lacking peace and he showed up to reveal the truth of his identity and their identity. Every time Moses came and fought with God, every time Moses was that real with God, God said, okay, I'll do that for you too. Okay, and that thing too, all right, I'll do that for you. And He has not changed. He wants to have that relationship with you. Amen? Do you believe that? You want to have peace? Wrestle with God. Jacob wrestled with him at the river and left forever transformed, ready for the purposes of his life where his peace was. He had a limp. (laughs) I'll grant that. But it's, it's in that realness with God where you say, I'm not, I am not willing to have anything less than what you wrote in me. David said, search me. Why do you say that? Because our purposes are deep waters. We need God's help with that. You have to fight. There is a fighting with God. There is a wrestling with God to reveal the truth of yourself in him. Yeah. Oh, this should be fun. (laughs) I'm not willing to settle for the false thing, right? I'm not willing to settle for the false thing. And so in our real relationship, right, I always say there's no peace without peace talks, and we're going to talk it through. (laughs) Peace talks is cute for we're about to have it out. (laughs) (laughs) And yet... See, that's an offering. God's like, God's like, oh, isn't she cute? She wants to have a peace talk. Bring your offering. <laughs> All right, I think I turned that off. Yeah, I've provided lots of opportunity for us to have peace talks over the years. 
but it's true. Testimony of that woman, she's not willing to pretend anything. <laughs> she will not let like a lack of, a lack of peace undergird a marriage or a ministry or anything else for 10 years. She's just, she's not going to do it. That's, I love that about her. Um, I'm more stubborn. Took God a long time to get me to a point where I was this real, where I was willing to go wrestle, argue, fight with God, demand things, prove yourself to me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you desire relationship with us, that you are the pursuer. We just worship you. Um, who am I that you pursue me? Who am I that you cause us to feel your delight over us? Lord, I ask a blessing in the strong name of Jesus that you would just grant an outpouring of your Holy Spirit over their families this week and as they move towards Christmas, Lord, that you would be revealing your peace and presence. And in the strong name of Jesus, I cancel assignments of the enemy to conceal and lie about the identities that you have created in this place. Father, I pray that your strong hand would be releasing hearts that have been hindered, that you would be um, digging into people's deep waters and bringing all the way up to the surface and revealing to them who you are, who they are, that you delight in. Father, I pray that you are releasing destinies, even right now in the name of Jesus, that destinies are being freed from lies. I ask for healing, healing in broken places that lie about who they are. And I ask for your blessing in the, in the family dynamics, Lord, that as you release destinies that have been sleeping, passions and, and um, pieces of their identity and purposes in you, that as you release those destinies and it starts to disturb and scramble families, that, that an extra dose of your grace would be there for the new direction, for the release of, the, of uh, your grace that you are dispatching for, for the walking out of these destinies. In the strong name of Jesus, may your face shine upon them. Amen.